to the latest episode of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington. Today we talk with Bradley Beal less than 12 hours after the Wizards suffered one of their most devastating losses in franchise history, leading by as many as 35 points to the Los Angeles Clippers, only to lose by one. Brad was very candid about how the team is performing here of late, what are the expectations moving forward, and he actually answers the question of what really is ailing this team as they're going through a tough slide. We appreciate Brad's time and his candor on this latest episode of the Capital One Arena is partnering with Clear to help Wizards fans get into home games faster for free. Beat the crowds on game day and enter through the Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. Download the free Clear app and get started today by selecting Wizards. When you arrive, you'll take a quick picture at the Clear Pod to confirm you are you and then walk right in. Download the free Clear app today to get started. You know I gotta start from the very beginning. How, how'd you sleep last night? <laughs> It was rough. It was rough. Uh, it was definitely one of the tougher losses in, in my career, for sure. Uh, just from an embarrassing standpoint, you know, just we, we definitely we should have won that game. But it was, uh, it was frustrating, but, you know, the sun came up today and you try to move past it. So I had to look at it multiple times, the last play, and I think you said it in the post game, but I wanted to go back and be like, I think you and Spencer combined fouled Kennard at least three times on that last play so he couldn't get the shot off. Was that the call in the huddle coming out, not allowing him to even get a shot off? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Wes gave us the signal to foul. Um, and I was going to allow, because Justice had the ball initially, so I was going to allow some time to run down. And once he crossed half, I was going to foul. All right, so they can take the ball and disrupt their rhythm. Uh, so I fouled Justice. They didn't call it. So I'm like, okay. Then I'm looking at Spence. Spence tries to foul. He still don't call it. And I'm trying to foul. And I'm fouling in the process of him kind of raising up. And it was just, it was unfortunate. It was unfortunate in so many ways. And he ended up making a shot. Uh, but we were definitely trying to foul. Yeah. In flight, after you fouled him a couple times and he lets it fly, like, at, what, what are your eyes doing? And at one point, did you just go, did he just really make that? Yeah, I mean, it's, that was the flow of the game, though. Um, honestly, and I kind of said it after the game, like, we, we kind of deserved to lose that, you know, with the way we just, we gave them that game. And they deserved to win. You know, they came back, they fought hard. This is like their third 20-plus point comeback of the year, mm -hmm. you know, so. They compete, and Coach has been saying it all game. You know, he's, he's emphasized those comebacks, you know. Um, and we, we let our foot off the gas, you know, and that's all, that's all on us. At this juncture of the season, you hear it, people are talking. I want to ask the face of the franchise, what is wrong with the Washington Wizards right now? Uh, it's tough. I feel like we, it's, it's not just one thing you can pinpoint, you know, and I think that's, uh, that's like the larger issue. Um, in the grand scheme of things, you know, um, we want to, we have a, a goal and a direction we're trying to move towards, but we're kind of hindered, you know, in the process of that with the deadline coming up and making proper adjustments, you know, on a team. 
And uh, I was just thinking about this last night, but it's very tough to kind of be one foot in, one foot out, you know, as a player. If you know you're possibly being traded, if you know, you know, your minutes are being skewed, you know, if you don't know when your opportunity comes, you know, and you feel like if you are out there, you have to, you know, kind of press and, you know, kind of showcase what you can do in the, in the minutes that you have. So it's, it's a big, it's a tough balance. Mm -hmm. It is really a tough balance. And I think a lot of people don't understand that um, it's tough on players. You know, like I'm not necessarily in that in that position. Like I'm blessed to be where I am, but mm -hmm. a lot of my teammates are fighting for minutes. They're fighting for a spot. They're fighting for survival in a lot of ways. You know, trying not to be traded, trying to stay in the league, trying to get another contract. Um, so I get it from the business standpoint. You know, and it's tough to manage that from you know different realms because everybody has a different agenda in a way. Um, you know, so I think it's you know once we have a committed group to you know what's important in, in winning then i think that's what's going to change it is hard to win in this league as you know 100%. but I, i'm curious to know where the burden of responsibility at your doorstep lies like how much do you take all of this on your shoulders winning losing and otherwise you know i always say it's it's all on me win lose or draw you know um i have a good game bad game it's it's always going to fall on my shoulders and i always Put it on my shoulders. Like, I'll never blame a teammate for anything, uh, a play. I'll never blame a teammate for losing us a game. Like, I'll always put that on my shoulders. You know, I'll never blame a coach for losing us a game. Like, I'll always take responsibility for it. Even even if it very well may not be my fault, I can play a perfect game. But if we lose, I feel like it's my fault. You know, and I feel like I can be better. I feel like I can, you know, put my teammates in better situations to succeed. You know, so I'm always gonna, I'm always going to put it on my shoulders. And in wins, I don't take all the credit. You know, I, I credit my teammates because I, I don't do it alone. I can't win alone, you know, so uh, it's, it's twofold, man. I'm very, I put a lot on me, you know, and a lot of times people tell me I probably shouldn't, um, but that's just kind of naturally who I am. Is this just the perfect storm of circumstances where you guys are right now? Earlier you talked about players kind of being in and out of the lineup. Trade deadline is looming acclimating Rui and TB back into exactly. the lineup. It just seems like there's this convergence of things that are leading to the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what's tough because there's so many, that's what I said earlier, so many things that that we're trying to do and trying to incorporate that, you know, it's like, you know, you have one problem here, you have a situation here, you have a situation here, you have a situation here, you know, and trying to get TB and Rui back, Tanner and other guys as minutes who were previously competing all year, you know, mm -hmm. so it's, it is tough, man. It is very tough, and I get it, you know. Um, but you know, I think that's where being being professionals, understanding, you know, this is this is our job, this is our career, you know. Um, you know, we gotta we gotta continue to work on our game, continue to, you know, showcase ourselves in a way. We gotta perform, you know. Players get paid off their performance and winning games, and you know, GMs and coaches get paid off winning, you know. So that's that's always been. The motto, you know, you got to perform as a player. You got to show what you can do, and you got to show what your value is. And uh, it's tough. It is tough, man, because we're trying. You see, we're trying to play guys. We're trying to give guys opportunities. We're trying to figure out what lineups work for us as a team to win. Um, but it's, it is it is a hard balance. It there hard is balance. one glaring difference between when you guys were ten and three, mm -hmm. and where you are now, and it's defense. Yeah. You were top four defensive rated team when you guys were the best team in the league. Going into the game against the Clippers, you guys were 21st. So there has clearly been some erosion on the defensive end. Scheme, 
personnel, combination of both, how do you see where the breakdown has come from? Uh, I think some of it, <clears throat> I always say, you know, defense is just a will. You know, you either want to play defense. Um, you can control your defensive efforts. Like, and I'm, I'm always going to blame myself. Like, I can be better on defense. Like, I can stop complaining to refs and get back on defense and help my team out on defense. Um, like, that's – it's so it's so crazy because we – it's kind of another situation where we have so many different focuses and it leads up to the defense being the back burner and being hindered. You know, we're concerned about our offense and sometimes our spacing or sometimes our shot selection or sometimes our pace. Like, so we, we, we need to – we allow that part of it and sometimes our success on offense to hinder our defensive production. Uh, and I'm guilty of that too, you know, so that's that's something we got to just we got to eliminate that You know, we, we can't have that uh, in order to be a good team and to be a great team You know, we've shown it we've shown our hand before, you know, so in order to be those good teams uh, You know, we gotta we gotta be a good defensive team, you know, we have to showcase that yeah. um, You know that has to be a staple night in and night out if all, we can't control offense all the time You know if we could we'll be 100% from the field, you know, so uh, control what we control, that's our defensive efforts, you know, helping the next man and taking on challenges. B, I really believe in this model. There's beauty in the struggle. I think there's some beauty in it. When you, when you start from the bottom, you work your way up in anything in life. Mm -hmm. Is there any beauty in this that you see that <laughs> yeah. down the road you can maybe use this as like, hey, remember when we were going through this and ultimately here's where we are? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's always joy. I think that's the biggest joy, you know, is the process, you know. Um, Adversity, you know, you can't shy away from it. I always say it's funny. I was talking to my best friend this morning, Ray, and you know, our biggest words this year were patience and present. You know, be present in the moment. You know, through adversity, through great times, uh, through whatever it is, just embrace it. You know, you need it. Um, you know, it builds your character, builds your your endurance for down the road. You know, when it happens again, you know how to deal with it or how to get out of it. You know, and I think. Uh, getting out on the other side of it is that joy because you can look back at the journey that you've been through with your guys, you know, like look where we've been, look what we went through, and now look where we are, you know, and then try to sustain that. When the street deadline does come, as you know, after the All-Star break, these games come by fast. Mm -hmm. Are there any worries that this is a play-in team? And by your previous statements, you're not a fan of being in that part of right. the tournament. What's the long-term effect of that? Uh, that'll be something we gotta, I gotta sit down and think about, honestly. Because um, I don't wanna be a playing team. I don't think anybody in our organization wants to be in the playing play team, you know, and I think, so from that standpoint, you know, I'm not alone in that thinking. You know, I think we all know that we can be better than a playing team. Um, and, you know, we, it's, we obviously gotta put in the work and do that. but. I mean, that's, I feel like that's that's a step back, you know, in a lot of ways. You know, we're, we're trying to proceed forward, you know, and that's kind of either staying the same as last year and, or not making any progress at all, you know. And so, uh, you know, that'll play a factor into it. But until it happens, you know, I, I can't, I won't put that into, into the air. Kids Day. Yeah. Through all of that that was going on, you look up at the screen and you see being Braylon. <laughs> what was that like? I mean, somebody told me, it's like, man, that made the Wizards, man. Th that, they took it light on Tatum because they did the kids' day because they saw the kids. <laughs> and I'm like, man, listen, that was actually pretty cool. So what did you think when you saw the boys? That was the the coolest thing I ever, I ever witnessed, man. Like, 
it really that was exciting to see, um, just to hear my boys and hear hear our, hear them clearly like little young men like that that was exciting man that that made my day that made my game for sure like that was that was nothing nothing better than that for sure for sure. You know, there's nothing better. Like we, everybody sees you, the basketball player, 94 feet, wins, losses, and all that other stuff. But you know, that's the part of your life that you really look forward to going home. I mean, mm -hmm. the game you love, the game, but you love your boys. Talk to me about just like the separation of work and home. H how do you balance that? Well, it's a. I keep it simple. You know, when I'm at home, I'm at home. Okay. You know, because uh, a lot of times it's it's very easy to carry you know, your struggles from work to at home, you know. Uh, but I think that's, I've definitely disciplined myself and I have a great support system. Uh, and agreeing with my, my wife and family, like just, when I'm home, I'm home. You know, spending time with her, spending time with the fam. Uh, you know, just relaxing, you know. And then when, obviously when it's time to work, I'm locked in, ready to go. I'm on the road, I'm locked in, ready to go. Uh, but you have to have some type of separation as a basketball player. You know, we can't just drill ourselves with hoops all day, every day. You know, sometimes it is great to let the mind just reset, refresh, let your body just relax, you know, get your mind off the game, you know, and just find peace, you know, find peace, find, you know, some type of comfort and just, just go in limbo for a minute, you know, and just get your mind off the game, watch some TV, do whatever, find a hobby. Um, you know, it keeps you engaged, you know, it keeps you, keeps your mind just on tack. You know, it's not just always basketball, basketball. You stress yourself out that way, yeah. you know. So you just got to create and make it fun. You know, it keeps the fun in the game. Are you still drawing? You know what? No, I need to. I haven't drawn in a long time, no. Because that's that creative side of your brain that could probably kids, take you to that kids spot. Kids taking a lot of that time away. It was a lot of... <laughs> oh, I just remember no when you first got in the league, like that, that brought joy to you to, you know, use that creative side to kind of kind of get away from the game you found that being a parent sometimes you uh you don't really have as much free time as you think you have yeah that free time is non-existent <laughs> you know so you, when you get nap time you know you got to take advantage of those naps yeah uh but it's being a parent is um it is it's no greater feeling like i always say like this my kids needed me and they say daddy we don't want you to hoop no more i will stop today and and take care of my boys but when i come home it is the tykes hoop is up and they are ready to go you know so it's it's same time i try to get away from it it's hard to get away from it because they naturally gravitate mm -hmm. towards the game you know uh, and it's so cool because they they'll correct me if i miss a free throw it's like no daddy you didn't follow through <laughs> and i'm like you guys are three and two years old how do you know what a follow through is like it's just, so uh it, at the same time it gives me joy at the same time like i can still come home and still be around hoops because they're they're gravitating towards it, um, but it's in a lighter sense, you know, more of a teaching and different mindset in that in that in that sense. I want to transition to February being Black History Month and where we are in kind of 2022 and what's been happening the last couple of years. For you, how do you celebrate Black History Month? And the second part of that question is how do you educate your, your, your boys of understanding what that month and the significance of it? That's a great question. The latter, I've never thought of that. I've never thought of that. Um, and that's definitely uh, something I got to <laughs> consider early because my boys are they're getting smarter about a day. Uh, 
But it's, it's definitely important to me for sure to make sure that they know that and understand their history and understand um, the importance of this month. Um, but for me, I, I don't treat it any differently than any other month. Um, but I do recognize it and I do have a strong support for it, you know. Um, I don't necessarily agree with having one month of that part of it, but I do love the fact that we get, we do get some, some acknowledgement of our history, you know. Um, you know, our history is a part of American history, you know, it's, and as a whole. Um, and so, I love that we support it. I love that we, you know, we continue to do our research. You know, I feel like every year we find out something new about our history. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so from that standpoint, it, it excites me um, when this time comes around. Uh, your mom's an educator, so how did Miss Bestin, Mr. Bobby, kind of teach you and your brothers how we celebrate this month? And the, the history part of it, how much were you as a student really locked into it? As a student in school, I was always super intrigued by it. One, because, you know, I went to a predominantly white school, all-white school, you know, so when February came around, like when, black, when we talk about black history, I'm like, okay, let's lock in. Like, what do we, I want to learn about this. You know, the uncomfortable parts and the comfortable parts, you know, so um, I was, in our household, you know, my mom was an educator, you know, she was, she's big on school, she's big on, you know, being able to go to school, understand it, take it and apply it to life and apply it to your, your daily walks and remember it, you know. Um, and so understanding our history is important, you know. Our grandmother lived three minutes away from us growing up, you know, and her time of living was totally different than my mom's time, which is totally different than the time I grew up. And so I understood that and got that from a personal, personal level, you know, understanding what it was like to grow up in Memphis um, you know, in the 30s, in the 20s, you know, and then what it was like to grow up in Chicago and in the, four, in the 50s, right, in Alabama in the 50s and the 60s, um, Mississippi in the 50s and 60s, right, and so that's a totally different, you know, realm of when, you know, when I came up and how I grew up. Uh, and so it's always important for me to, when that month comes around, to, you know, do my history, uh, continue to educate myself. Uh, and have conversations with my family because, you know, it, we're not too many generations removed um, from un unfortunate, you know, circumstances. You know, I have told you before, um, the summer of 2020, I thought your leadership really kind of came to the forefront and had absolutely nothing to do with basketball. What sparked that interest of recognition of what the civil unrest we were going through that summer? Uh, honestly, my boys, having having kids, having kids played a big part in that um, because they're the future, you know. Um, my parents are older now. I no longer have my grandmother here. Um, so just understanding, like, they're, they're next in line, you know, to you know take on this world and understand this world. And it's always, it's ever changing. It's always changing. It's evolving, always. Um, so I think that, that definitely played a big factor. And then obviously, uh, Natasha's strong, you know, opinion of being in the community, um, being engaged, uh, sh speaking out. And for me, it's, it's my mom always told me, like, you know, you're blessed, you've, you've, you're blessed to be a blessing, 
right? And so there's so many ways I could break that down. I could break that down financially. Like, I, obviously, if you make a lot of money that you can bless other people, you know, to take care of. You know, if somebody's in a bad spot, you can take care of them. Um, you know, you've been through many situations and experiences in your life. You've traveled many places. You've gone a lot of places. You've been through a lot. You can share those experiences with other people. So just understanding what I can offer to people, you know, understanding how powerful my voice is, you know, understanding that we are role models as athletes, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, people put what we say and magnify it times a thousand, whether we like it or not, you know. Um, and we're not politicians. We're not, you know, presidents. We're not, you know, government officials, but people respect and love when we speak out for them because we essentially represent the people we have. We are everyday citizens. I always say that every day. I'm no different than you, Chris, mm -hmm. right? Our jobs are just different, right? But we, I guarantee you we go out here, we'll deal with the, some of the same experiences in life. So that's how I always just carry myself and understanding that, you know, you got to pay that forward. Um, and not necessarily obligation, but I treat it as such. Two things, and I'll get you out of here, and they're kind of like in the same sense. I want you to talk to me about what leadership means to you and how leadership with social media hovering over you. How do you balance the two? Because every step you take, you're being noticed. Everything that you say is being magnified. So address leadership, and in this day and age of social media, how do you handle it? Uh, Leadership to me is, you know, one, being able to perform, being able to produce. You know, you have to lead by example. Um, and you, may, you don't always have to be the best player. You don't always have to be the most skilled, the fastest, jump the highest. But, you know, you have to put in your work, show your work ethic on a daily, uh, show what it takes to be a pro on a daily, um, vocalize encouraging your teammates, right? Um, critiquing teammates. There's gonna be times you need to bark, there's gonna be times you need to pat on the back. Um, and understanding who likes what. You know, some players don't take too well to being barked at, you know. Some players like the little kick in the butt, you know. Um, and some players like being yelled at, some players like just straight up critique, you know, and it's understanding that. Um, and then I always, my favorite, and I think a lot of people kind of negate this as a leader, is listening, right? You have to listen to your soldiers. You got to listen to your guys, you know, who are in the field with you. What do they like? What do they don't like? What do they see? You know, you're just, a, you know, you're the lone soldier, you know, in the front, but you got a whole group of eyes behind you that see what you don't see, essentially, you know? They feel what you may not feel, and so, Hearing my teammates, hearing, you know, what they like, what they don't like, you know, questions, what they have for me, like how, whether it's business outside of hoops or whether it's, you know, how do I stay in this game for 10 years? Uh, so those are always three factors, man. Produce, being able to be vocal as a leader, and then listening. And I think it's tough with the social media because you don't necessarily see it, right? You don't hear it. Uh, we're just playing a game, right? So that's all you see is just going up and down. You don't always see the communication. You don't always hear the communication, you know? 
And a lot of times it's during time. It's a time and place always, always, always. You know, a lot of that is during timeouts at the free throw line, right? A hundred percent in the locker room. You know, so I think that's where it gets misconstrued. You know, um, not everybody understands what it's like to be in our shoes, right? And be in those battles. When you're in the trenches, you you ready to go, right? It's go time. You know, uh, there's times to teach. You know, and that's obviously when the game slows down, when you have a moment to do so. Uh, but I don't. I don't. I promise y'all, don't pay attention to it. I don't pay attention to it, you know. Uh, leaders are born. You can't really make a leader, you know. Either you have the qualities to be so or you don't, right? And I'll never try to force that because um, one thing I always say is, you know, Eric, this is an open open book over here, and this is an open floor for our team, you know. No man is bigger than the next. You know, we all put our pants on, our shoes on the same way. Well, so if anybody has anything to say, everybody has a voice. No voice is shut down in our locker room. That's My sure. man, we're good. My man. Thank you.